The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Practical Spirituality Positive Messages This is Unity Online Radio The Voice of an Awakening World Welcome to Spirit of Recovery, offering support for your spiritual growth and addiction recovery. Here's Rev. Lonnie Vanderslice and Rev. Dan Beckett. Welcome to Spirit of Recovery on Unity Online Radio. We're glad you're with us today. I am Rev. Lonnie Vanderslice. And I'm Rev. Dan Beckett. And together we discuss the ways that spirituality and recovery intertwine and work together to support your spiritual growth in your recovery journey. If you're listening live, you're welcome to join the discussion with your comments or questions. You can call us anytime during the show at 816-251-3555. Again, that number is 816-251-3555, and we would love to hear from you. Facebook users, you can also message us during the show or anytime during the week from our Facebook page, Spirit of Recovery. Just click the Send Message button right below the banner. And just as with phone calls, your anonymity is always respected. So what is gratitude anyway? We're told that an attitude of gratitude will go a long way towards smoothing out the bumps in the road of recovery. How do we find gratitude? Today, we want to dive in and share our paths to gratitude and joy. And we'll begin by relating our own troubles, our roadblocks to gratitude, if you will, and then move into the solution of developing gratitude with intention and purpose. Then after the break, we'll share exactly how we used gratitude to co-create a joyful life. So, uh, Lonnie, as we think back in in time to uh, what was it like before we were, I'm going to assume and pretend that we are adept nowadays at gratitude. And what was it like before we uh, gained this skill of uh, an attitude of gratitude, if you will, what do you remember? Well, I remember my first uh, Thanksgiving meeting, you know, uh, I was new in the program. I'd been in about, I don't know, 30, 40 days, something like that. And they decided they were going to have a gratitude meeting. And I'm going, oh, my God, what's that? You know, and and how can you talk about that for an hour? And I don't know what they're talking about, you know. And, and that was my first inkling that I didn't have a clue as to what gratitude was, you know. And so I I then was on this journey where I learned people would say, well, you better get you better get grateful you know, and I'm going, well, I didn't know I wasn't because I didn't know what it was, you know, and I realized that I had lots of challenges getting to gratitude, you know, call them troubles, call them roadblocks, call them traps. I call them gratitude traps because they're states of mind or emotion that um, 
keep me away from gratitude. And the first one that I became aware of was self-pity. You know, I was, uh, it was poor me. Why did this happen to me? Why does it have to be me? You know, why can't things go my way? Uh, always, and they would say, yeah, poor me, poor me, pour me another drink, you know, <laughs> kind of thing. Uh, illustrating it was the bottom of the barrel, but it was the farthest thing from my mind to be, that I had anything to be grateful for. I was too busy feeling sorry for myself. When I think back about uh, my life in general, before I encountered a recovery path, which is where I really learned in earnest to apply gratitude in my life. I mean, I was aware of of what the concept of being grateful, but not, not where I was employing it, if you will, as a, as a, a central tool for living, um, as I learned to do in, in the program. And before I learned uh, how to use gratitude in my life effectively, I had a lot of worries. Uh, sometimes I have worries now, but then it was, um, you know, a, a whole bunch of more and louder and longer. You know, um, we talk about how the further down the recovery road we go, it's not, it's not as if challenging things don't happen. It's that we don't have to spend as much time in the mud puddle as I used to. And so it's kind of like that with um, worrying. Now, I, I define worry as something with a definite focus. Like, I'm worried that on Monday this is going to happen or this is not going to happen. Or I'm worried that this person is not going to follow through with what they said they were going to do. And my, my mind uh, could and still can um, latch on to a worry, a concern like that, and, and really uh, have it kind of take over a lot of my life experience. And so when I think back about life, I'll call it life before gratitude, um, worry was uh, a very common state for me to find myself in. You know, when I look at what my thinking patterns were, I, I recognize now that I was stuck in another place that kept me from gratitude. And that was in a place of um, judgmentalism or expectations, you know, that I expected this to happen or I expected you to do this or not to do that. And that, um, and then I would be judgmental about it. You're not doing it right. You know, you're not on time. You didn't, you didn't fix it. You didn't, you know, meet my expectations. And so that built walls. And I had, I, how can I be grateful for you if you can't meet my expectations? <laughs> you know, I mean, really, that was the, the summary in my head. Um, you know, and so having that type of a, of a thinking pattern underlying the with the victim consciousness that I mentioned earlier, you know, it really kept me. I was in a deep mud puddle for a long time. I know those mud puddles pretty well. Uh, that way, when I get back in one uh, today, uh, I'm very familiar with the mud puddle. And uh, to practice gratitude, uh, I'm going to say I'm grateful that I don't have to spend as much time in those puddles as I seem to used to. In a way, I used to live in them. Now, now it just comes up every now and then. Uh, one trouble that I've had in life is depression. Um, de depression I uh, define as just generally feeling down. So unlike worry, which was about a specific circumstance, uh, my experience of depression is just sort of a, a low energy, you know, everything's just sort of 
the world looks gray. Uh, it's hard to d- describe. Anyone who has experienced knows exactly what I'm talking about, though. So I'm not going to worry too much about being articulate with my description. But just generally feeling down in the world, you know, having a not much of a positive outlook, if you will, is something that was uh, part of my life experience Uh, Before I got into recovery and before I learned about the tool of gratitude. So that's the kind of trouble that that's the kind of mud puddle. I'm glad not to be sitting in nearly as much. You know, I'm glad you mentioned that depression. I have I'm intimately familiar with that. um, And thank God that it's mostly lifted Mm -hmm. in my life at this point in time. And it was this this gray, dark, hopeless uh, why bother, you know, kind of, kind of a thing. And, and, and it, and it took, I couldn't, I couldn't, looking back, I can't say that anything would lift me up. You know, I didn't ever feel like smiling. I didn't ever feel like laughing. I, you know, a, a funny show on TV wasn't funny. You know, I mean, just, it was, it was this, another deep mud puddle. And, you know, that, uh, general feeling of being down, like you described is, um, is a is a pretty dark place, and a lot of people come in with that. Mm-hmm. I know I did. In part, it was exacerbated by the use of alcohol, a depressant. You know, it just it dampened my whole personality and my whole life. You know, but um, you know, one of the things that that uh, was another. It showed up in this way. Another thing that that uh, illustrated this thinking pattern is that well, I'll feel better when. I'm not depressed. I'll feel better when somebody does this or does that. I'll feel better when I I win the lottery, when I get 12 hours of sleep, when I get a job, when I make more money, when I have a new partner. You know, I always had a conditional and putting conditionals on life kept me away from appreciating what I had, you know. And so um, that was another roadblock for me. Um, and, And I lived in that depression because of it. Another thing I remember related to depression, and often uh, these two seem to come hand in hand, is anxiety. Uh, You know, for me, anxiety is not the same as depression, although it's also generalized. You know, anxiety uh, to me being like a generally feeling unsettled, uh, ungrounded, if you will, untethered. And um, that's a mud puddle that I spent a lot of time in. Uh, pre-recovery um, that's one that um, you know gratitude it's hard to separate these spiritual tools distinctly but gratitude is definitely one uh, important piece of the my path out of that kind of generalized anxiety um, that I felt back then we'll say um, and so along with depression you know those Two things, of course, can be there at the same time, even though in my experience, they're not the same thing. It's not uncommon at all for me to be experiencing both of them um, at the same time. And I definitely did. That's a we've got a theme going. That's a that's another mud puddle. I'm glad not to be spending nearly as much time in now. We were in a deep mud puddle then, (laughs) you know, that along with this, I'll feel better when thinking pattern that I had part of it for me was I knew I would intellectually I could assent to the idea that gratitude might make me feel better and so I kept waiting for this feeling of gratitude to appear 
It's an emotion. It's a feeling. I could see the joy in other people. Why, why can't I get that? What's going on? You know, I, I, I do something they said to do. And then I'm, then I wait and I wait for this feeling and the feeling doesn't come. And I'm going, I, I don't know what's going on. You know, gratitude doesn't work for me. Right. It was a task of doing a gratitude list or whatever. And so that was another trap for me, the waiting. Yeah. That expectation. Exactly. Uh, I almost, as I thought about, you know, what, what kind of troubles did I have? Uh, this, I just sort of had one of those, of course, how did I almost miss this moment? Drinking and smoking. Drinking and smoking were things that I did uh, pre-recovery that, ironically, I believe that I was doing those kinds of things, just call it substances in general, um, to alleviate some the, the feeling of some of these things that we've been talking about, but as you mentioned, and uh, had been mentioned to me, uh, alcohol is a depressant, and I thought, I drink because I don't, you know, I want to feel good somehow or other, and this seems to work, but that's part of the madness of it all, is that the the solution that I am choosing to temporarily feel better is itself driving the thing I'm trying to use the solution to feel better from. And that is a vicious cycle. Um, and I know that you and I and uh, many of our listeners know that all too well. Now, um, I don't personally believe that uh, tobacco and smoking, that's not a problem. I, it was a problem for me. Because I decided, I knew, I recognized it as such. But one of the most helpful things that anyone ever said to me about smoking, because I carried a lot of guilt about smoking while I was smoking, another vicious cycle, was, uh, you know, you'll quit when you're ready. No, no need for me to be in judgment of my smoking habit while I'm doing it. And that's absolutely true. But it was just another source of anxiety. Oh, man, I got to quit smoking. Blah, blah, blah. You know how it goes. Um, but the truth is that I, I, was, I would quit when I was ready. And I did quit when I was ready. And everyone's in that boat. And if somebody is listening and, and still um, smoking, my, what I'm trying to say is don't worry about it. That's fine. You know, do what you need to do. You'll quit when you're ready. And uh, you don't need to worry about it or feel bad. So now that we know about these challenges of the, all these different kinds of troubles that we've talked about, you know, that, that we can experience on this path, what's the solution? In unity, we affirm that everything we experience in life has, a root, has the roots in consciousness. And what we perceive in the outside world depends entirely on what is happening within us. And this truth is expressed clearly in unity's third principle, which states... We are co-creators with God actively creating our world through thoughts held in mind. So if we want to co-create a life of joy, it is essential that we cultivate an attitude of gratitude. And gratitude is what we want to focus on today. But what does this look like in real life? How do I know if I'm cultivating gratitude or not? What does it look like in other people? And can I learn gratitude from others? Dan, what's been your experience with this journey into gratitude? Well, I asked myself this question, what does this mean? We hear this catchphrase. We have a lot of catchphrases in recovery, which can be very helpful. Um, attitude of gratitude. So what does an attitude of gratitude look like to me? And the first thing that came to mind 
and I'm thinking back to what you shared a few minutes ago, just sort of waiting for the feeling. Um, what an attitude of gratitude means to me is that I have to make a conscious choice. I have to ch choose gratitude. You know, it's it 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 doesn't, especially at the beginning, it doesn't just show up. I have to take an action. I have to make a decision, a conscious choice, and then, of course, what you know, what was I deciding? Uh, probably at that time, a suggestion from a sponsor uh, might have been create a gratitude list. It might have been um, sign up to chair a meeting, you know, some act of service or or whatnot. But I had to do something. You know, it, it wasn't going to change just cognitively in my head as you shared. I, I get the concept of gratitude. I can see that it would be very helpful, but nothing's going to change until I make a choice. I make a decision and take some action. So an attitude of gratitude to me looks like the willingness to make a decision. And that, that decision is a mental choice to, to take the action. What I'm thinking of is another one of the catchphrases that we have in the program that says you can't think your way into better living. You have to live your way into better thinking. And that to me says make a choice and, and take some action, you know, and if it's wrong, I, I'll make a different choice and, and take a different action. But, you know, one of the things that, that comes to my mind, it, it was so profound to me about an example of gratitude when I know it, when I see it, I, I watched somebody at a business meeting, they were handed, you know, people were handing out business cards and somebody handed this woman a card and she took it carefully and held it in both hands and she read it on the front and she turned it over gently and read it on the back and then she held it between her hands almost in a prayerful pose and and was looking in the eyes of the other person while they were introducing themselves to her and i'm going wow you know a business card at a business meeting that this that this kind of a thing happened but it was very apparent to me that this person was uh paying mindful attention to the interaction to the other person to the gift she had been given in the form of their contact information and i'm thinking that's gratitude i saw i well, i recognize that when i see it it is and i i learned along the way that in japanese culture to not do what you said is extremely rude that that is the way you always receive a business card from somebody and i think it's wonderful uh to practice that to to take a moment because of as you described it you can really feel how you're honoring that person you're you're taking a moment to focus your attention on on what they have created and given to you what a wonderful way to receive it um if i uh, think about again what does an attitude of gratitude look like to me it looks like a game it's a game that i call find the good in this and uh, sometimes even if um, something that seems distinctly negative is going on around me, I can uh, almost jokingly, and, but this still helps, uh, say to myself, I can't wait to see the good that comes out of this. You know, you can imagine like if you just crunched your car into the car in front of you, take a deep breath and say, I can't wait to see the good that comes out of this. The unspoken part meaning, because that's going to be pretty hard to find. But... <laughs> What a wonderful way to go into anything. I can't wait to see the good that comes out of this. I'm curious. I'm not scared. I'm not afraid. I'm curious where this is going. And for me, that it isn't always on my timeline. 
you know, I like to think that there's a, scientifically a cause and, a, and an act, a reaction, you know, that, that that happens pretty immediately. But I have found that, you know, days or weeks later, something happens and days or weeks later, something else happens and I can see they're related. And the second thing wouldn't have happened without the first. And at the time in the first, I couldn't find the good in it. You know, and then weeks later, this this other thing shows up. It, it's really amazing. You know, uh, there's a Benedictine monk named David uh, Stendel Rast, and he says, simply defined gratitude is appreciation freely given. Mm-hmm. And which appreciation to me is also defined as love, you know, and freely given. That was the hook for me. You know, uh, am I expecting something in return? You know, what do I want out of this interaction? And so that was a very helpful definition for me. And um, he went on and, and the affirmation of goodness in the world. Yes, this exists as a definition of gratitude. Goodness exists. I got to look for it, like you mentioned sometimes. And then that the source of goodness is unexpected it's bigger than me it may be outside of me but i'm not in control of it necessarily the source of that and and those things started helping me get my mind around how am i how how can i figure out what this thing called gratitude is as an extension in a way of that practice of um looking for the good in this i extended it to noticing when other people were looking for the good or what, you know, if it seemed like if I perceived that uh, a person seemed like they were practicing gratitude, that became part of my answer to that question is what, what is this attitude of gratitude look like? Well, what does it look like in other people? You know, when they're practicing it? Well, one thing it looks like is someone that I like to be around, you know, someone that when they walk into the meeting hall or whatever, I think, oh, good, you know, so-and-so is here. It's always nice to be around that person. When that happens, uh, there's a very, very good chance that that is a person who is adept at practicing gratitude by always looking for the good. And, And when any of us is talking to, interacting with a person who's doing that, kind of like your example with the business card, uh, you know it. You can tell, and you and you can feel it. You just get that that love freely given. I love that um, description or definition. Uh, you can tell when that's happening. And so I extended the, the the game of looking for the good in this to looking for people who seem to be doing that as well, so that I could just kind of pick up that vibe from them. And, you know, if I want to experience more of it. Let me become aware of it in others. You know, there's an energy about people um, that that draws others to them. And I think that's part of that, uh, noticing those people. I know that when I see somebody that, as they say in the jargon, I want what they have, that's often a part of it. It's what kind of energy do they put out? Are they welcoming and comfortable and uh, mindful and noticing do they talk to me to other people you know or are they exclusive do they put up walls are they clickish you know those kind of things and so you know this this uh, do I want what they have extends to this this gratitude and I didn't find out for a long time that that was because that was one of their practices mm-hmm. you know was was practicing gratitude that that this is how it showed up then but I definitely could identify the people that I was drawn to I had a surprising uh, idea come to me and see what you think about this when I asked, what what does an attitude of gratitude look like to me? It looks in a way like faith. 
And and I I didn't expect that, and I had to really think about that for a few minutes. Is well, what does that have to do with it? Well, for me, what faith has to do with it is that if I'm going to practice gratitude by participating in this thing I call this game of look for the good in everything, I have to have some faith that it's there, right? That 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 the idea that there is good somewhere in here has to precede my willingness to look for it. And so somehow or other, and I'm not super clear on how this relationship might be, but it seems to me that in order to have an attitude of gratitude, I have to have a certain amount of faith just in goodness. I mean, I don't necessarily mean, you know, in any particular higher power or, you know, kind of higher power or whatever. Uh, at least just faith that there is good out in the world and maybe I'm just not seeing it. So let me go ahead and look for it. It looks like faith. I think you're onto something there because for me, it starts with the faith that what you're telling me is going to work is going to work. It's going to make a difference in my life that I can believe what you say, you know, and if we go to um, the Filmorian definition of faith as being, you know, our ability to believe, doesn't say what we believe, our ability to believe, then absolutely we've engaged that ability to believe something that maybe this will work or that maybe you, you know what you're talking about. And then we make a choice, which is a power of will, of course, to act accordingly or to act as if. And so I think that that underlying all of that are are some of our 12 powers, some of the complexities um, as they interact for gratitude. I remember uh, something that was particularly impactful uh, for me related to this. And, it, and it's related, I think, maybe to the faith aspect of a, a gratitude practice or living life from a place of gratitude. And this was in the context of firewalking, which I've shared before, my experiences uh, walking barefoot on, on red-hot coals. And um, in the firewalking workshops that I've been a part of, we get to the point in the workshop where the leader says, okay, now I'm going to tell you how to walk on fire. And we've been waiting for this, like, oh, good. I don't know why we've been doing all this other stuff, but here, here's now we're getting to it. Now she's going to tell us how to walk on fire. And, um, and she had these flip chart cards. And on each of three cards was a phrase. First one, pay attention, expect the best, and take the first step. And then we would all repeat it as a group. And I'm like, that's what are you talking? That's how you walk on fire. She said, not only this, is this how you walk on fire, this is how you do anything in life, pay attention. And that second one, especially expect the best, you know, that's the faith. That's the looking for the good. That's the, the, um, precursor or the, in the, the ground, if you will, in which gratitude naturally, uh, springs forth from is expecting the best. So, Hey, who knew that the way that you walk uh, on hot coals is the same way that you live life. And it, and it is centered on faith and gratitude. And, you know, that's a whole viewpoint shift from when I came in, you know, and it's Amen. a whole consciousness shift. And so, you know, we're going to have to hold the thought right there because it's time for a short break. And when we come back, we'd love to hear from our listeners as we continue the conversation. The phone number to dial is 816-251-3555. Please stay with us.
You're listening to Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery with Rev. Lonnie Vanderslice and Rev. Dan Beckett. Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery. We're glad you're with us today. If you're just joining us, my name is Rev. Lonnie Vanderslice, and I'm here with Rev. Dan Beckett. We'll resume our discussion in just a moment, but first we want to let you know that the phone lines are open, so if you have a question or a comment to share, please give us a call at 816-251-3555. Again, that number is 816-251-3555. Prior to the break, we were discussing our uh, what we might call our pre-recovery troubles or challenges in life. And that the solution uh, many times is a, is gratitude or an attitude of gratitude. But what does that look like? What is that? So now that we know, Lonnie, that the challenges, these uh, troubles that we experience, these blocks to gratitude, if you will, and that the solution is gratitude, how exactly can we use gre- gratitude to create a joyful life? That's what I want. Yeah, me too. You know, the how is always a um, a starting point for me. First, as I talked about earlier, I had to be aware I wasn't doing it. And then second, I had to get some tools. Um, and, and the people in the program and other spiritual teachers taught me, one of the very first ones was to, to make a gratitude list. And I said, what's that? Because I I was not practiced in, in the art of living in gratitude. And so, you know, they said, well, you know, you, you make a list and... Um, Every day you add to it and don't repeat yourself. And then when you're down, you go back and you read it again. What are you grateful for today? And that has many permutations. But that was one of the very first things that I was told to do to begin a practice to start refocusing my mind in a different direction. One thing that came to mind first for me, and you had mentioned it uh, prior to the break, is gratitude meetings. Right. So how did I use gratitude to transform trouble into joy? One way was the things that I learned from having gratitude meetings. And what stands out to me about that is that uh, so many times I would show up at a, at a recovery meeting that was an open meeting. Right. So it, it wasn't a particular literature study or what have you. It could be any topic. And the chair would ask, you know, does anyone have a suggestion for a topic for today? And if, and if someone would say, I'd like to talk about gratitude, you could almost feel the groan in the room because the part of it was like, oh, again, oh, my God. I'm not quite sure what's going on with that, but I will tell you that every single time I've been to a meeting where the theme was gratitude, I walk out of there so much lighter, so much feeling freer than I did when I went in, even when I have that same reaction to the title, like, oh, again, do we have to? It's like some kind of resistance to it, but just a couple minutes in of somebody sharing something that they're grateful for or somebody sharing a way that they've learned to cultivate gratitude in their life, like your uh, gratitude list, for example. Um, it just, it sort of just takes hold and and lifts everybody up. So gratitude meetings, that's that's one way to use gratitude to transform troubles into joy get together with some people and talk about what you're grateful for 
Another tool that I was given was one that you've, you've talked about uh, in the last section, which was to look for the good. Only I was told, look for God in this situation, whatever the situation was. And I said, I was having a lot of trouble with that. And they said, okay, just take, just add a, an O to it and look for the good <laughs> instead of look for God. And, and that was very helpful to me because again, it was about refocusing my mind in a different direction. This, this obsessive mind that this superpower that I have to be able to focus um, with, uh, with exclusion to everything else on one thing, if I could get it focused on something that was helpful to me, instead of that was not helpful, um, that, then I was much better off. And that looking for the good, as you've already explained earlier, um, was a very important tool for me. And another aspect of that gratitude list was I was told, what if I wake up tomorrow and all I have is what I was grateful for today? Put that on your list. Mm. And, uh, and that was kind of a wake-up call because I had been doing the deal. Yeah, I'm grateful for this and my family and this and that and whatever else. But I wasn't going very deep in looking for it. I can, I'm already starting to make that list in my head. I'm grateful for this house. I'm grateful for the gas company, for the electric company, for the people that keep the, you know, the streets clean. Man, yeah, if, if I think about it in terms of what if it was gone tomorrow, that's a great focusing uh, suggestion there. Again, that sounds like some really good guidance and sponsorship that you've had uh, on your journey. So that uh, concept of uh, looking for the good in things that I, I talked about making a game out of it just to keep it light. Um, and as I make a game out of looking for the good in everything, I realize that uh, one way that I'm using gratitude to transform trouble into joy is by recognizing that I have a choice about how I look at things. Even when I'm not choosing very wisely, I still have a choice. And that game of find the good in this helps me to realize that I can choose to do it. I can decide that I'm going to look for the good. And inevitably, when I look for the good, I find it. So I can decide to see good in the world around me and that I have that ability at any moment, at any time. I have a choice. Even if I'm, even if I'm really feeling crabby and down and I recognize, well, man, I'm, I'm not choosing very well, I still have a choice, which means that I can choose differently. You know, there's all uh, that, that's a little bit in a, in a sense of a little bit of grace, uh, just meaning that, you know what, no matter what happens, there's always another opportunity. So did anybody ever irritate you in a meeting? <laughs> I know <laughs> I, I went to, I've been in lots of meetings where I go, oh, again, and he's going to talk for 15 minutes on whatever. And he said all of that yesterday in the last meeting was I was in and, you know, that type of thing. So one of the one of the practices I was given is to look for the good in that person and not to look just for, well, at least he's sober. Well, at least he's in a meeting, you know, but to, to actually look for things a little deeper, like identifying with he has the same pain I have. I am I am grateful he can talk about that you know, at the table, um, you know, whatever his path is, he's, I can see that he's working the steps to the best of his ability and he's stuck on this one. Maybe I'm going to talk to him after the meeting and see if there's some way that I can share with him. But, and, and in doing that consistently, especially if there was one particular individual, what I found was I garnered 
uh, some appreciation for that person as a part of the community and and as as a person who showed up and shared even though on the surface they might have been abrasive or you know rough around the edges or not particularly um friendly you know and and in learning that that um to, to do that i could apply that same thing to anybody in my in my life to anybody that i had a resentment about or anybody that was irritating to me or you know anybody that i just didn't get along with and after some time, it's got a lot easier. I'm glad you said that because that's reminding me of the some of the personalities that I've encountered in meetings that I have been frustrated with. And for me, they tend to be uh, folks who are uh, some combination of, you know, loud or, or brash, you know, kind of um, very assertive, we'll say, and and kind of loud and uh, as you mentioned, they seem to be telling the same story, you know, every time. And I, I really had a helpful insight in a meeting where there was a person and, and they were sharing very boldly the same thing that they always say. And there's part of me that, you know, we want to roll our eyes and take a deep breath and say, uh, why don't you take a rest? I got, I'll, I'll tell your story for you. Cause I know exactly what you're going to say. And then I realized that this is one of the people that was so helpful to me when I first came in because they're loud enough to cut through the fog in my head. They're, they're a character. You know, they stood out. And what they were saying was so um, impactful that I, I could really, you know, it had color to it. it. There was just something about it. And I realized that, you know what, that was, I was, I am so grateful that that person was here when I came in and they're still here for the next person that comes in because we need that, uh, that personality. Uh, I know that I do in my recovery journey, those folks that seem to be able to get through um, the, the, the fog or the thickness of my head. And even if later I'm thinking, oh man, you know, why are they saying the same thing? Because they're showing up for the person that needs that. And I needed it. And I'm so grateful to them for that. I'm reminded that my gratitude journey, um, has taken several stages. And I remember the first stage of being, um, boy, sitting in a meeting with a newcomer saying things to myself like, boy, I'm sure glad I'm not where I used to be. You know, I'm glad I'm not like that. I'm really grateful I don't have to go through that again. You know, those kind of things, which if you think about it is just a permutation of comparison and judgment, mm -hmm. you, you know, but it was the first step for me to start looking at something as I do have something to be grateful for. You know, no matter how deep my mud puddle is, somebody else's mud puddle is deeper. And I'm grateful that I'm in a shallower mud puddle than I used to be. And that there's a way out, yes. too, because you, you've experienced that, that growth or that way out. What, you know, and that gives me hope that there's a way out of whatever I'm in right now that's causing me trouble, just like there was a way out of what I was in before. That, you know, that that other person is now reminding me uh, because maybe they are in a similar place. I encountered a phrase along the way that has helped me a great deal. And so this is, in a sense, or, or uh, let, let's see if we can find the gratitude connection in this. And this was a spiritual teacher of mine named Tali Birkin. And Tali has a, a phrase and a book, by the way, that you can get on Amazon called Let It Be Easy. Let It Be Easy by Tali Birkin. Um, and the question that goes with that is, 
what would happen? I wonder what would happen if I let this be easy. You know, writing this paper, making this phone call, um, you know, getting out of bed and getting moving on a morning where I'm feeling kind of tired or anything that I'm feeling resistance to, or that seems difficult, or I don't want to do it. It seems hard, or I'm afraid I'm going to do it badly or whatever, anything that I'm carrying negative energy around. I have had that question just literally asked silently to me in my head, completely change my outlook. What would this be like? What would happen? What would happen if I just let this be easy? Well, I'm going to find out. I'm going to decide that this is going to be easy. Yeah, I think that's crazy. I could argue against it, but I'm just going to play this game. Let What would happen if I let this be easy? And you know what happens is that it's easy. And I realize, once again, I'm, I'm choosing one way or the other. Even when I don't realize I'm choosing, I'm still choosing. And a, a teacher like Tali, in a, in a simple phrase like that, let it be easy, uh, has been such a sort of a gateway concept and a gateway question that's gotten me out of, you know, a lot of of negative spaces and allowed me to drop a lot of that uh, anxiety that I talked about before. You know, what what if this what if this could just be easy? Gonna, let me see what happened if I try it that way. Well, the, what it reminds me of are two slogans again that um, that echo that thought, and one is like going like God. You know, just just let somebody else, something else, some other energy take over here. And the other one is act as if, you know, act as if I'm doing the right thing. Act as if I know what I'm doing. Act as if it's going to be easy. You know, act as if it's all going to be okay. You know, um, and it and it points to that change of attitude. When we talk about having an attitude of gratitude, it change, changes from the worrisome, um, not not of faith, oh, it's all going to be bad, you know, I have to do it all myself, to more of a, a positive outlook on everything, you know, and that's that's a great tool. You know, the next thing that in my journey that showed up was I'm, be, I'm grateful too. I, you know, I was grateful that I wasn't like the other guy. And then I was grateful too. And I was grateful to my sponsors, to various individuals, to the 12-step program and the founders of that. I was assigning uh, my gratitude to all these externals. If not for, for these externals in my life, I wouldn't have anything to be grateful for. And that's not to undermine the fact that I do, in fact, have gratitude for everything that they've done and all of that has done for me. But I recognize that I was then still looking for something to be grateful to. It's still outside of me. You know, I'm still grateful to this, to that, to something else. And that's not for me where gratitude lives today. And so, uh, you know, but that was yet another step on my journey, you know, in, into gratitude. One thing that has helped me find my way. So I'm, I am asking myself, how have I used gratitude to transform uh, my troubles into joy? Um, and I'm also noticing, well, you know, what, what avenues have been helpful in that? And, and one, you just kind of mentioned it, guidance from other people. Guidance, especially from in recovery uh, terms, we might call it sponsor, but what I call trusted advisors. Trusted advisors can be program friends that uh, understand, you know, where where I'm at. It could be a formal relationship like sponsorship, or maybe a casual kind of sponsorship 
relationship. But whatever, it doesn't matter. The point is that there are individuals whom I consider trusted advisors who can help me by pointing me at some of these things like a gratitude list practice or you know, maybe I forgot about let it be easy and they can say back to me, well, what would happen if you let this be easy or any of these other kinds of techniques? We talk about um, the ways that we can develop gratitude, but I don't want to forget about the people that have helped me learn the ways and that are constantly reminding me of ways. I mean, I've been reminded just in our conversation here over the last 45 minutes of some things and I learned some things I didn't know before. You know, like the one about the gratitude list. What what if what if you woke up tomorrow and the only thing you had was the things that you put on your gratitude list today? Oh man, I like these light bulbs and I like this computer and I like these warm clothes and I like my dresser and you know I could. Uh, it's endless. Just about what a great way to look at it. So trusted advisors or companions on the path even uh, can help me remember what I've forgotten or show me some new ways of looking at things that can, um, you know, help me use gratitude to transform my life. You know, and as I practiced these various tools and techniques and listened to these people and followed their example, one of the things that I learned was that it becomes a way of life, you know, living in gratitude or grateful living. And I don't have to be grateful to or for or that anything anymore. I can just be grateful. And part of that is cultivating the ability to notice whatever is already present and abundant in my life. And it can be physical things like we've talked about, but it can also be emotional things. You know, one of the, one of the traps I fell into early was I wanted the attention of a particular person, you know, and so I was whining around about there's not enough love in the world. Well, we all know that's not true. And I was not focused on the 15 or 20 friends that I had that that were willing to support me and love me and be there for me and all of those kind of things because I just didn't have the attention of that one. And so, you know, I, beginning to notice what is already present and appreciate it. You know, I have found that the more I notice, the more I have, which is just amazing, you know, uh, the way that the abundance shows up in my life. I heard the story, and, and maybe this was just a, uh, a silly joker example of being being careful about what you pray for. It might show up, and you might pray for more love in your life, and you're not being specific, and your neighbor brings over a box full of puppies for you. Well, guess what? You've got a whole bundle of love right there, but maybe that's not what I had in mind. Um, a question that a trusted advisor has, has asked me that's helped me a great deal, and to the point where I can even ask myself now, um, is do I have everything I need right now in this moment? Do I have everything I need? And that's particularly effective about worry and anxiety, about fear of not having enough, you know, or, or as one of the promises, fear of economic insecurity will leave us. Well, if it, if it hasn't quite left yet and I find myself uh, experiencing some of that fear, I can ask, do I have everything I need right now in this moment? And the, and the answer has always been yes, um, that I do. And in a way, it always will be, because if I'm sitting around uh, with the ability to lament uh, my life, um, I'm probably not being chased down by a tiger at that moment. I probably do have everything I need at that moment. I certainly have enough time, the luxury of time, of leisure, to uh, sit around and lament my life, then it's probably not as bad as I'm thinking. So 
just being asked that, even when I, I know that question, I've asked people that question and I'll be on a phone with a, with a, with a program friend and they'll ask me that, you know, I'm like, yes, exactly. Thank you very much. Yes, I do. And thank you for reminding me. Something I was reminded about was to not take anything for granted. Your ability to breathe, tell you what, when I have a cold, I notice that I am not able to breathe as well as I can other times. Um, and, and, and I, of course I focus on that. And so, because I'm trying to breathe and so then I have to call in other things, but, um, you know, I take so much for granted in my life and I try not to, um, and it, and it fits in with expectations because if I'm taking it for granted, then pretty soon I'm expecting something, you know, to happen or out of it or what have you. And, you know, this was really illustrated for me this past weekend. I got ill and, and I didn't know how good my body feels most of the time. I had kind of lost sight of that until I am really not feeling well. My body's aching. My stomach's in pain. You know, I mean, all of these things are not functioning the way that they normally do. And I'm going, wow, I normally enjoy really good health, <laughs> you know, and I need to be more grateful for that. Uh, I need to, to not take things for great for granted. Another practice that comes to mind, a way of uh, using gratitude to transform trouble into joy is, um, this is another one of those kind of sponsor questions, you know, something that a, that a program friend can ask me that I can now ask myself. And it's this, what have you done for other people lately? What have you done for other people lately? You know, the understanding being, you know, with, without expectation of reward. What have you just done to be helpful for no reason at all other than to be helpful? And often, unfortunately, it's not much. And if, I'm, if I have, again, the luxury of feeling down about myself, uh, that means I've got some free time, probably, because uh, if I was engaged, I might not be thinking about that. And so I probably have not and could really use to do something for somebody else. It, it could be, again, you can make a game out of it. Well, what are you going to do? I don't know. I'm just going to go walk around downtown and see what happens. Oh, I'm going to put a quarter in this person's parking meter. Or, oh, I'm going to go, um, you know, g give a gift to so-and-so that I just saw in the shop. Or, oh, you know, here's a place I can volunteer I'm going to go in and ask them, when can I come back and volunteer? What do you need people to do? There's so many things that we can do in service of others. I'm going to take a meeting into the detox ward at the hospital. You know, I'm going to go visit um, a, a, a program member or just a friend who, who is bedridden. You know, maybe my friend has a cold and I can bring some soup or whatever. But it, is, it completely shifts my outlook uh, away from my so-called troubles and on to a whole sea of opportunity to be helpful in the world. What have you done for other people lately? For me, that kind of falls under something I was guided to do, which is to do three things for somebody and don't get found out, mm -hmm. you know, three things in a day. Now I did that because it was an assignment, not because I thought it was going to do it, do me any good. But after a while, it turns into this random acts of kindness, you know, type of thing. Uh, you see a stranger about to struggle with a door with their armload full of boxes or something, you go open the door for them, you know, or, or you buy coffee for somebody or, you know, many of the, you give them a ride, many of the things that you mentioned earlier, but it also for me comes it down to things like, oh, there's trash on the sidewalk. Why don't I just pick that up instead of stepping over it? You know, um, uh, somebody I know picks up grocery carts in the, 
in the uh, parking lot at the grocery store. They just grab one of those instead of go, walking all the way inside and taking one that's already parked. You know, there's just things like that, that living in gratitude that expresses kindness and generosity and gratitude toward the world in general that are examples for me to follow. Secret Service, I've heard that called. Be a member of the Secret Service. Well, let us now shift gears and move into action. Unity's fifth principle states, it's not enough to know these truths. We must live them. That means we must each take action in order to grow and recover. So here's something you can do to move from troubles in life to joy using the power of gratitude. Think of a way that you're feeling troubled or down in your life where things just aren't working. Maybe there's family relationships that are challenging. Or do you have trouble at work with other people? Or maybe you have trouble all just within your own head. Nobody else is required for this kind of trouble, it seems. What's important is to pick one thing, something simple, to focus on right here and now for the for this exercise. Because you can take what we do here together uh, into your life this week and return to it anytime you choose in order to find a moment of peace. So let's th- use the example of just feeling down in life. Use a statement of power, or what we refer to in unity as a denial, to deny any power to this feeling. You could say something like, troubled feelings are not the truth of who I am. They do not define me. Repeat it a few times in your head or aloud, and say it with conviction. Troubled feelings are not the truth of who I am. They do not define me. Follow that up immediately with a bold, positive affirmation of a new experience. You could say something like, I am empowered and uplifted by gratitude as I look for the good in everyone and everything. And then take a few quiet moments to relax and take it easy. There's no need to struggle. Give thanks for your new experience in the world and move on with your day. And take some time this week and affirm your new experience. Again, troubled feelings are not the truth of who I am. They don't define me. I'm empowered and uplifted by gratitude as I look for the good in everyone and everything. So we've come to the end of our time together here today, and we hope that you found something that will help you on your recovery path. Thank you, Reverend Dan Beckett, for our discussion, and thank you to everybody that's listening via one of the many podcast platforms that we're um, available on, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn. And we bless you wherever you are on your recovery journey. And listeners, again, if you'd like, you can connect with us on Facebook, Spirit of Recovery, to give us your thoughts and feedback. And we'll see you next week, Tuesday, 4 p.m. Until then, have a wonder-filled week. Thank you for listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Since 1977, Omega Institute in New York's beautiful Hudson Valley has hosted some of the best spiritual teachers and social visionaries, sharing their messages of hope, healing, and transformation. On the Dropping In podcast, hosted by Emmy Award-winning producer Callie Alpert, you will enjoy in-depth interviews and conversations with people like Pema Chodron, Jack Kornfield, John Kabat-Zinn, and many others on the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Also, check out the video series on Spotify. Spotify.